Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits. Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced, the 100% Hits compilation series. My name is Josh Earl, and this week, very special guest. I say that I say special. This is one of the most special. Please welcome <laughs> into your hearts. It's Justin Hamilton, everyone. Yay! Yes, yes. And uh, I, as a, as a man who's uh, only turned fifty recently, yes. uh, the idea of 100% music hits fills me <laughs> with dread because. There is a distinct moment in your life many decades ago where you just can't keep up with it anymore. Yeah. And it's not it's not deliberate, but you just kind of start, you know, listening to the same shit or even when you do listen to music and it's and it's new to you, I find that I went further back. Yeah. And went went straight back into, you know, like the 60s and the 50s and stuff like that and then you miss what's coming up. So, I'm looking forward to panicking all the way through this podcast. No need to panic. This is what I find interesting with uh people who were older when these ones came out because I've talked about it a lot how music back in the day was mm. very very uh what's the word I'm looking for? It was um the, very the monoculture. Oh yes. yes. Yeah. Exactly like you had your tribes. It was tribal yes. is what I'm going to say. So you had, yep. you went, I like hip hop or I like punk or I like pop music. And you never gravitated out of those things. You were like, this is what, this is my lane. I'm going to stay in it. Whereas yep. now with Spotify, everyone just listens to everything. Yes. Or they listen to the same things they listened to in 1993. And that's yep. when music stopped for them. Now, when you, when you were young, was there, sorry to interrupt, was there, uh, was there one artist that you listened to that, just made no sense to your collection? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think I've told this on a Patreon episode, but I haven't told it on the main feed. I remember loving the Lemonheads, loving yep. the Lemonheads, loving Evan Dando. And every interview he would talk about how much he loved Graham Parsons. And so oh, when, yes. I, when I moved to Melbourne, I went into Greville Street Records and got a Graham Parsons record and went, oh, this, no, I hadn't moved yet. I was still, but I'd, I was over here. Went in one day, bought Graham Parsons' GP, that album. Went back to my friend Jimmy's house where I was staying. Listened to it and went, what is, this is old man music. This sucks. <laughs> Took it back the next day up to the cashier and said, hey, I bought this yesterday. It's not for me. Can I swap it? And the guy was like, keep your voice down. The guy who owns this place, he's fucking kick you out if he hears you talking about Graham Parsons like that. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh. And he talked me into buying a Wilco album instead. <laughs> That guy's very good at his job. Very good, yeah. Yeah. I was, um, so, you know, I was uh, into Bowie. I was into Elvis Costello. I was into They Might Be Giants, you know, that kind of stuff, Violent Femmes. And uh, the the artist that kind of I enjoyed, like because it, 
it kind of made me laugh, but I also just thought they were really well-crafted pop songs, was Barry Manilow. And yeah. it used to do people's heads in. And uh, my mum, who has much harder tastes in music than me, like she'd hear me listening to Neil Finn and think, oh, why is my son into such soft music? She found it hilarious as well. So we went and saw Barry Manilow live. And I went and I parted my hair on the side and I wore a, like a shirt buttoned <laughs> up to the collar with a jumper over it. And mum dressed really conservatively. And we went along and all the old ladies around us just thought it was darling that, of course. that mum and son were going to see Barry Manilow. And we had a great time for a slightly different reason to everybody else. <laughs> hey, so this album we're going to talk about, Hamo, came out in the year 1994. So, oh. uh, no, start, yeah, 94. So yep. how old are you in 94? 94, I am 22. Yeah, 21 coming into 22. Great. So very much going to see bands or like absorbing music? So this is a really interesting year for you to pick for me. This is at the very start of the year. Oh, like end of March, I started doing comedy in Adelaide at the uh, Bolts Cafe on yep. Rundle Street with my mate Damien. We were in a duo uh, called uh, the Bunter Boys and uh, it was all comedy. Yeah. So uh, everything, you know, when you start doing comedy, and I'm, I'm guessing it's like this for every art form, that becomes your world for a number of years. Yeah. So uh, we were both feed in. Yep. I think it's... I don't think it's just art as well. I think it's most things when people get a passion, whether mm. it's craft beer yep. or cross stitch, whatever it is. You're like, yeah. If you if you love it, you're like, this is this is what this is what makes me happy. I'm gonna just yeah. dive all in on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what we were with uh, comedy. So, uh, so I was still listening to music. I'm pretty sure I, I like I would have gone to concerts. Uh, there was Big Star on Rundle Street where I used to buy stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, it was it was mainly about the haha. All right, so '94. Let's crack into these songs. '94, Kurt Cobain dies early in the year, and his death hangs gloomily over oh. much of the American grunge scene. Yep. I performed that night oh. in Adelaide, and uh, every com- so, I'm so sorry to interrupt, no, go but for it. every every uh, comedian was trying to be dark and do Kurt Cobain jokes. And this show at Bolt's Cafe sold out every week. There was a uh, hundred plus there every week, and the audience was bummed out. And Jack Smith, the Canadian comedian who ran the room, he went up to Limo independently and said this, and he came up to Damien and I and said this, and he walked up and he said. Are you guys doing any Kurt Cobain material? And we said no. And he said, "Good, big smiles, best night of your life." And that <laughs> uh, that uh, that uh, advice is advice that, like, I gave to Kirsty Wiebick just before yep. she did question everything. Even though it's kind of cheesy, it is actually perfect advice when a gig's a little bit shit, and uh, it really turned it around. Okay, so things were gloom, gloom yep. and doom. Except in the UK, where they were having fun in the clubs. Ecstasy <laughs> was king. Yes. And so this is how they paid tribute to the death of Kurt Cobain. This is the artist Tin Man, otherwise known as Paul David Dakine. And this is his song, 18 Strings. And see if you can hear any similarities between this and a certain Nirvana song.
Stop it there. <laughs> oh, man. I Like, if you'd asked me, I had no idea what any of the words that you said meant. Yep. And then as soon as I heard that song, uh, my throat got dry because I could smell the dry ice. My eyes were, you know, about to give me an epileptic fit because the strobe light was going crazy. And uh, there's glow sticks all around me. It brought back a very vivid memory. Oh. I think it was at, uh, maybe it was at... I might have this wrong. People from Adelaide of my vintage might remember it. I think it might have been church, dancing at church quite late on a Saturday night. Yeah. Well, here, here's the weird thing. So that is clearly ripping off Smells Like Teen Spirit, but it's not mm. a sample of t- Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, They wanted right. it to be. Yeah. Got denied by the record label, said, no, you can't. So they just recreated. So it it makes you feel like it is, but the right. chords and the like melody is a little bit different so they oh, couldn't right. get sued which is such a weird way it's like you've been told no it's like get mum saying no so you go and ask dad it's a yeah. weird <laughs> yeah but this happens quite a bit in the music industry yeah especially in commercial like like and film they want us they want a song they can't get the rights for it so they say oh let's just make our own version of it yeah the swedish singer jens lechman to, told a thing on his blog about this where some washing uh, washing machine company said, hey, we want to use your song Black Cab for our washing machines. And he said, no, no, I don't sell my songs to ads, but I'll, I'll, I'll write a song for you. Right. Wrote them a song, sent it to them, and they went, oh, thanks for this. And then they just wrote their own version of Black Cab that sounds so much like Black Cab that you think, oh, they've just made an acoustic version of his song. Yeah, right. And so he got stung twice. He did the work for him, didn't get paid, and then they just used his song that he should have just got paid anyway for. But yeah. Oh, man. You know, uh, there was um, there was a Hungry Jacks ad uh, a while ago now that sounded like uh, J-Lo's Let's Get Loud. Do you oh. remember that? And I, it was, I, every time you'd hear it, you'd be like, Oh, Jay, hang on a sec. That's a burger. Like, it, but how? See, this is where I get confused because that to me sounds just as much like um, Nirvana as Blurred Line sounds like Marvin Gaye. I know. Yeah, it it is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. For for me though, I'm not sure the intent was to make money off this. It was like he was just doing club sets, and right. so he would just sample like beats underneath songs. Yeah. Like he. They, and so I reckon it became a big hit because everyone loves Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. And then it kind of, they went, oh, let's let's try and make some money off it. It got to number 16 in the UK dance charts. Uh, no, number one in the UK dance charts and the Canadian dance charts. Got to number 16 here on the ARIA charts. So it was a big right. song in Australia. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well, I do, uh, as I said, I uh, wouldn't have remembered the title or the artist, but I definitively remember that song. Did you ever go through a clubbing stage? 
I look, I wanted to. I was mm. really into reading about that culture and stuff like that, but living in Launceston in those years, right. there wasn't. I could go to the saloon bar. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I did ecstasy and had great times on it. Yeah. Like it's one of the only drugs that I've ever done where I'm, every single time I've done it, I've had it. I can say 100%, I had a good time. Yeah. I'm not saying that's for everyone. Listeners no. don't, you know, be, be careful. But it was really fun every single time I did it. <laughs> There's nothing better than uh, sharing secrets with someone that you'll never see again. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last time I tried to do it was at my mate's Jimmy, who I talked about before, at his um, Bucks party. Yeah. He had a mate goes, oh, I'll go out and get some off my guy. And we're all just going to do ecstasy at his house and just, you know, play cards and have, be dumb. Right. And he came back and went, oh, the guy didn't have ecstasy, but I got the next best thing. So we're all thinking, oh, Coke or just right. MDMA, whatever. DMT. That's uh, not the next best thing. <laughs> no, Jesus shit. Like that is something, that's like nine steps down the road. Well, I didn't know what it was. Right. And this is how he sold it to me. He goes, oh, it's the chemical that your brain releases when you die, when people say they see a white light. This is what it is. <laughs> and I went, all right, that sounds fun. Sure. Did it. And look, that's pretty much all that happened. Like I had this white light, felt all tingly. Yeah. White light for what, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. And then went back to the party. Yeah. But then later, like people can go into like, Massive, like, they think they lived 25 years, yeah. a separate life, and they yeah. see God and all this stuff. I didn't yeah. want that at a Bucks party. <laughs> no. No, that's the last thing. The last thing you need is a Bucks party to feel like it's gone longer than it has. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, that's, that's uh, Tin Man, 18 Strings. Good one way, hit, Tin Man. That's it. Never yep. heard from Tin Man again, although I'm sure he's doing fine. Yeah. All right. Now, this is... A band that I know you you quite like. Okay. I haven't gone through my, my phase yet of them, but I think it's coming. This is Cold Chisel and their song, Nothing But You. Stop it there. Didn't even get to the chorus, but that that's you understand. If you like it, you'll go and listen to it, or you probably already know it. Yeah. yeah. I, I I wasn't into chisel at that stage. And uh I'm, that's that's not you know, like Ian Moss has a lovely voice and I the first time I ever heard him sing live, I went, Ah, oh, Gatesy. No wonder <laughs> Gatesy loves Ian. Like that's that's where, you know, one of his blueprints for learning how to sing. Yeah. I mean that as a compliment. because uh, Gatesy has a beautiful voice as well. But um uh, you know, that song 
that song right there, if I'd heard it, I don't remember that song having heard it at any point. That song to me in 1994 would have really cemented all my anti-Cold Chisel feelings. Because I remember talking to you about this, that I'm, I'm the same with Creedence Clearwater Revival. Everyone in my oh, town yeah. who listened to that wanted to beat me up. So yeah. as a result, I just don't like Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. I'm sure they've got some amazing songs. Bad Moon Rising, I'm sure it's fantastic, but it just brings yeah. up memories of people in my town wanting to give me dead legs and say, no, it's just a joke. It's all right, mate. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you saying this to me about Cold Chisel, that the people in your town growing yeah. up yeah. would listen to Cold Chisel and want to start fights. Yeah, yeah, Woodville High School, you know, Woody High, everyone was into Cold Chisel, mate, and we had a, a local band there that, you know, they were all trying to be like Cold Chisel. Lovely lads, actually, when you think about it, but yeah. just not for me. It was more, um, I never got into kind of uh, fights or anything like that, but you would get the, um, oh, mate, your your music, you, you, you listen to Pufta music. Yeah. Remember when Pufta was a word? So yeah. that was what would get, uh, yeah. So that would be, you know, so as I said, I'm listening to the Violent Femmes or David Bowie and all of yeah. that kind of stuff. And um, and so I just immediately decided I did not like Cold Chisel. And it wasn't, funnily enough, it wasn't until uh, at the Melbourne Comedy Festival one year when they had karaoke upstairs and Scott and... Uh, Gatesy were singing a song. I think I may have even been standing next to Gleason, and I said, uh, "Oh, what's this song?" And he was like, "It's Bow River." And I said, "Oh, who does that?" And he was like, "Cold Chisel." I was like, "I have no idea what this song is. It sounds actually pretty good while these guys are doing it." So I bought a um, Best of Chisel uh, yeah. album for twenty dollars on CD and went and listened to it, and uh, had to say, it's, it's, "It was really good." <laughs> Now, a really good time. For listeners outside of Australia or if you were born in the 90s and beyond. So mm. Cold Chisel, uh, one of our most beloved bands. Yeah. They were born in Adelaide in 1973. It was Absolutely. Don Walker, Ian yep. Moss, Steve Preswich. Yep. Shortly after forming, Jimmy Barnes came on board as lead vocalist and then Phil Small joined them on bass. Now, a much longer podcast can do more of the history of it, but let's just mm. get to some facts. So from 73 to 77... I would just have a guess that Jimmy Barnes would have sucked to be in a band with, okay? From what I've read, he fought with the other members. Mm. He brought his brother John Swan in to become a member and he just beat up one of their roadies. Swanee. Yep. So Swanee yep. got fired. Yep. Jimmy Barnes kept on leaving and going and joining other bands. Yeah. He hated, he hated being in the band. So they, he said, let's do one last show. So they did a farewell show yep. in 77. It went so well. He went, no, I'm going to stay. That was good. We'll stay. Yeah. Luckily, though, he did because a month later they got signed. They got a record deal with Water Music. And then by 83, it was over. Yeah. So had all their hits done, okay? Yeah. Jimmy Barnes went off to do solo stuff. Ian Moss did solo stuff. Don Walker was writing solo stuff as well. All, all did, went on to, like, you know, do stuff in the music industry. So now it's 94, 10 years since the band broke up. They'd just been uh, inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame the, the year before. In 93, they turned down an alleged $5 million to do five shows in every major city in Australia, as in mm. like one show in each city. Uh, but they're not really like Don Walker and Ian Moss had worked together. Like Don Walker wrote like Telephone Girl and uh, yep. Tucker's Daughter for Ian Moss. Yep. And he just started working in with Jimmy Barnes. I think yep. Jimmy Barnes had mellowed a bit. Uh, still, they were like, no, we're not going to do a tour. 
but the record label went, all right, let's put out a, a B-sides and rarities album. And so Don Walker found a bunch of old recordings and went, all right, these are... Do-, and some of it goes, these are some of our best uh, songs. And it, it, the band actually put this as their favourite album. The album's called Teenage Love. Hmm. Critics and fans don't see it that way. They actually right. say it's... One of the reviews was like, it's the weakest Cold Chisel album, but in saying that, that's not a that's not dissing it. That's not yeah. dissing the album. They're saying so many Australian bands would love heart, like these songs. It'd be better than all their entire... Anyway, but they'll just say, that's what it's from. And so this song... Um, I don't know. It's it's fine. It, it's fine. It feels a bit middle of the road. It feels like because you, you know, especially for people overseas or who are a bit too young to know them, like they were a tough band, you know, yeah. and, and they were, uh, you know, they were doing big sweaty concerts. But uh, there was also um, they were tough and they were rocking. But the, there was a, a big soul influence in them as well. So they could actually be. Uh, quite beautiful in a, in a weird kind of rough and rugged kind of way. Uh, Ian Moss's voice in particular was, yeah. uh, was as you could hear, even in that, you can hear how uh, clear it is. And Don Walker's like one of the great storytellers. And so if you listen listen to the songs that they were singing, you could uh, go on a, a, a really interesting place. I'm trying to avoid the word journey, but you could go yeah. on a really interesting <laughs> place uh, with the lyrics. Uh, all right, we'll move on. Speaking of... Of guys who look tough but are quite sweet. Mm. We've talked about this band before. This is, I wouldn't say boy band to their face because they look like they could really fuck me up. But this is Culture (laughs) (laughs) and their song Fly Girl. And that is Fly Girl. Goodness. You know, uh, <laughs> for starters, um, if I hadn't heard the introduction that you gave that song, uh, yeah. if you said, do you reckon these guys could beat me up? I probably <laughs> would not have said yes. But uh, So that was kind of interesting to have in mind as I was listening to it. But it just sounded, you know, like a song that I would hear at the end of of a mid-tier romantic comedy from the beginning of the 90s with a star who possibly should be the best supporting actress, not the lead actress. It, it sounds like a joke. Like, 
just so you know who they are, I know the listeners have heard me talk about culture twice already. Uh, Maori <laughs> Samoan boys, okay? Oh, yeah, right. Oh, no, yeah. S- some big lads. Now, yeah. I, look, there's no way these four guys, they're all in their 20s in this area. We're into the start of that song. 40 seconds of like Kenny G, bad, like bad saxophone, whatever it was. Like, right. They did, that's like someone's telling them, oh, do, play this. It's It all seems so contrived, this kind of stuff. Yeah. You, like, so do you reckon when they put that song together, like acapella wise or just with like simple instrumentation, it probably had a little bit more guts to it and someone came in and smoothed it up? I would say so. I'd say very heavy hand by the record label here, trying to yeah. mould them into something, mould them into like a boys to men or something like that. And just, yeah. I don't know, it just doesn't, doesn't, like their voices I think are strong. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? There is a world where instead of human nature, these guys were the human nature of Australia. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they just missed the opportunity. They just needed something slightly, you know. Well, don't get me wrong. They got into this album, so they must yeah. have been doing all right. Yeah. But. And look, this uh, this was the third single from the album. The album did quite well. Uh, this song got to number 26 on the Aria chart. So they had their yeah. fans. Yeah. Uh, here's one fact about this song. Uh, the film clip directed by Paul Fennick from Fat Pizza. Oh, right. Yep. That's it's just, cool. It's just a very straight boys on the beach, black and white, yep. boys in kind of like a car park with some chain fencing around them, kind of doing yep. release and catch the dove kind of movements and yeah. I would, you know, if if we filmed one of those film clips, who who were the other two that you'd want in the film clip with us? Um, I, I I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna uh, you nominate one, I nominate one, and I'm getting in early. I want Thorno. I want Dave Thornton. Oh, he could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we get Thorno, we'll get Little as well. We'll get <laughs> Little and Thorno. <laughs> Oh man, I'll be the Ringo and you be the. You <laughs> I was going to say, have hey, me, little Thorno, and you. People are going. Oh, he writes the songs. You, you must. You're the Spengali. He, he writes. Mate, the I'm songs. the. You, you're. I'm the. I'm the Brian Eno. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Oh. Um, by the way, have you watched the Kenny G doco? I loved it. I thought it was so great. It was amazing, and yeah. people who have not watched it. Don't believe you. Because uh, they think you're pulling the piss. Yeah, I know. But it's not. It's magnificent. And I love him. <laughs> so for those who have not watched it's I think they're all on Binge in Australia. Yeah. The HBO Music Box Collection. Bill Simmons is the producer of them all. But the yeah. Kenny G has just a great life. Yeah. And he's cool. Like yeah. not as in he gets he's the cool joke. as it he gets the joke. He's across it. And you know what he does? He laughs. He enjoys it and he goes out and sells millions of fucking albums. Yeah. Because <laughs> this kind of music reminds me of the kind of stuff that they were kind of making fun of in Popstar, the yes. movie Popstar. Yeah. Which I I see people like talking about the other day online and it is one of those movies that is so underrated. I don't know why it wasn't the smash hit. It was just it was a time in movies where... People just don't go and see comedies at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, that is the thing. Went away and it was like, yeah, but it's so funny. I went and saw the movie Bros in a, oh. in a cinema and because uh, I got to interview the director, Nick Stoller. Yep. So, but it was only, it was only, it's only a, a viewing, like, so it wasn't a full cinema. And I reckon I enjoyed that movie 10% more because the yeah. people behind me were losing it 
Because when I watch comedies at home, invariably when something funny happens, because I'm watching it by myself, I point at the screen and say, that's funny. Oh, the last the last movie I went to as a group was uh, Jackass for that same reason, going, right. I'm going to go see that in a crowded theatre. We went yep. opening night, me, Sam Gray, who you mentioned earlier, yep. and um, me, Sam Gray, and Tommy Dasselow, and Ben Vanell. we all went and just went, yep. this, is, this is great. And it was just... Dudes our age, all yep. reminiscing about the first time we saw it at the cinema or yep. watched it on TV and then going, oh, it was, it's such a good experience going out and communal viewing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, here we go. This is probably, or could be my favourite song off this entire CD. Okay. We've talked about the band before. This is Dreams by the Cranberries. <laughs> Sorry, listener. If I could play it all, I would play it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, that's great. You're on the internet right now listening to this, so don't pause this, but afterwards make a mental note. Go listen to the rest of the song. Yeah, yeah. That's a great song, isn't it? And, it is a really uh, good song. Yeah. Yeah. And that, it's such a, you know, that she was kind of tough and sweet all at the same time. And yeah. just that, uh, you know, you can, uh, I don't know what you would call it. You can just hear uh you know her accent in in certain uh consonants in yep. her singing which is just great so this song was first released in 92 and then after the success of zombie the old music industry boffins went all right let's cash in let's re-release let's re-release dreams because linger was a bit of a hit in australia yeah yeah uh, zombie was huge and they went like okay and so they re-released this and just pushed out the early stuff uh, but yep. this was written when it was written by Dolores O'Riordan and Noel Hogan. Dolores only twenty when she wrote this song. Ah oh, man, like <laughs> out of control. <laughs> yes, out That's, of control. Like, and I understand, like, you know, the the lyrics, just on paper, like all lyrics, it, it's not it's not amazing writing, but yeah, when she sings it, it takes it to someplace else, and just to have that control of her voice and what she's doing, I just think. When she passed away a few years ago, people were like, oh, yeah, such an amazing voice. And she got all this love then. But I don't think at the time, like, they were had a pretty short lifespan in this country. Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, Zombie was that? huge. And then yeah. their next album didn't really 
go crazy. Right. And then, yeah, it is really weird when bands just have very short kind of span, which you think music like this is, especially a voice like that, yeah, is kind of, you know, somewhat timeless. Do they, uh, do they kind of get a little bit supplanted by the grunge movement and uh, yeah, like a, a little bit like, um, you know, you've got Britpop kind of like yeah. they, 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 they have their own kind of thing going so it doesn't get categorised e- easily. I think that's what it is. So they were almost in that, and I'm not just saying this because they're both from Ireland, but that U2 kind of sound. Yeah. Those yeah. kind of jangly guitars and kind of yeah. beats, a rock beat like that. And then you've got Britpop coming in. Then after Britpop, in guitar music anyway, you've got a bit of the kind of radio head and they don't mm. really fit that mould either. Yeah. And then, so you've got all those bands who are influenced by Radiohead, but when they say influenced by Radiohead, it means they learn how to play the bends on acoustic guitar. So you've got all your, <laughs> your Coldplay and Trim yeah. Breaks and all those kind of bands. Yeah. And then you've also got like the other kind of guitar bands coming out at the time, like your placebos, which yeah. are very much influenced by kind of Bowie and stuff. Yeah, like, that this is glam not, rock thing. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't fit with that either. Yeah, suede, you know, bands like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting, isn't it? It's like, um, uh, it's a shame as well because it's, uh, I, I wonder if it's like, you know, which radio show is going to play them. Yeah. You know, and then you're not getting that constant uh, use and then you can kind of slip out of the consciousness a bit. Yeah. That's a great song though. It is a really good song. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from these messages. We'll be back very, very soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. Oh, And this is a song, when this album came out, this song I'm about to play would have been my favourite song from it. Okay. This is a band called Shampoo and their song, Trouble. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Uh-oh. Something's coming. <laughs> That's it. Great. Love it. Great. I still do. Yeah. It. I still, it's still really fun. Yeah. It reminds me of what, Biss. Uh, yeah. W- w- once again, have not heard or thought of that song probably since 1994, but uh, brings back good memories. It was a fun clip too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 
So the band was Jackie Blake and Carrie Askew, who were friends from school, and they bonded over their love of the Manic Street Preachers. Mm-hmm. They both wrote for a fanzine called Last Exit, all about the Manics. Uh, they formed Shampoo, uh, and the name derived from their schoolyard nickname, which was the Shampoo Girls, because apparently every time anyone asked them out on a date, they said, I oh, know, we're washing our hair that night. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, now, you could describe this as a novelty song. For yeah. some people, this is their, they're a one-hit wonder and this is it. Uh, it's bubblegum, kind of pop. It's been used on TV shows, film soundtracks, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. for some people in the world, they're like, no, no, this is more than one-hit wonder. This was really important. Do you know how like Riot Girl and Bikini Kill and L7 were huge in America for women who like rock music. Yeah. In the UK, this band would with that to a certain like smaller smaller pool for yeah. getting into like indie music. Oh Shampoo. right. Because they were they were feminist punks. They yeah. liked being loud and brash and they had this is what their songs were called. Before Sham, before Trouble, they had yeah. another album that had songs called Buffon Headbutt, <laughs> Blisters and Bruises. Yeah. I love little pussy. Great. Yeah. But then this song came out and the record label were like, hey, we can make money off this and try and market them into something that they're not really. We'll try oh, and make them right. kind of like the monkeys, you know, a fun, like yeah. tough girl band kind of thing. Yeah. And in America, they put this song on the Power Rangers movie. Oh, really? Because <laughs> they thought kids would really like this song. Yeah. And... They gave away 15,000 cast singles in record stores, hoping it would push them push people to buy the album. Wow. It didn't. It didn't. Cast <laughs> no. singles. No, so everyone got the song they wanted to hear and went, oh, we don't have to buy the album. Like, yeah. 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 That's uh, not quite uh, the smartest of moves. Cast singles were, that, that, like, they feel like they could have been a good thing, but, geez, it was a lot of effort to put in uh, to listen to two songs, maybe, I know. tops. Also... People would quite often they'd walk around with a with a Walkman. Yeah. Not, you want C ninety. You don't want a cast single. And after twelve minutes, you're like, oh, I'm I'm out of songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just more shit you have to carry around. Yeah. Man, do uh, people still kind of release things on cassette? Have you, yeah. as someone who likes buying things of uh, bands that you like, have I, you gone down that road? No, I have not gone no. down the. When I was work, this is in 2016 when I was still working at Triple R. Mm-hmm. Doing the Oz Music and New Zealand New Music Show, I would have bands send in their cassettes. And right, I was like, well, this is kind of cool and novelty, but where's the? Give me the streaming uh, code so I can actually play it on the radio. We don't have a cassette player here. Like, yeah, and also my, I have a good car. My car doesn't yeah, have a yeah. cassette player in it still. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't play it either. <laughs> so it's a thing of going. I, I kind of understand it as the novelty aspect, but. Sometimes practical stuff is really good when you're sending it into a record into a radio station, right? Well, the the different generations of listening to a record and there's a scratch on it, so it skips or it doesn't leave the groove, or cassettes chewing up the tape and you having oh. to, you know, delicately pull it out of the cassette player and try yeah. and wind it back on and hope that it hasn't been stretched too much, and and now you know. You you get annoyed if your if your Bluetooth doesn't uh, connect for half a second. Because I had a Walkman very very late. Like I had one all through high school, but then even in uni, I yeah, we used to love making 
mixtapes because I didn't want to disc yeah. them because you like one I don't want to have to carry discs around. Also, it would skip. You had to carry it very carefully. I like to yeah. walk around and listen to music. And people used to make fun of me, going, "You still got a Walkman?" I'm like, "Yeah," because I can. I'll buy the CD. I'll put it on a tape, and I can listen to it. Yeah. When I go. And the iPod was a really big thing for me. That was like, yeah. oh, my world's changed now. I can have all my all my music collection onto this Mate. one thing. And yep. uh, yeah, but the, I was glad I, I never got sucked into to the disc man culture. Yeah, right. No, I was I was definitely sucked into it. And uh, you know, even sitting on a bus having it on your leg and you'd hit a bump and you go, ah. But uh, I've still got my um, original 60 gigabyte iPod that oh. You know, it's a bit slow and a bit clicky, but it still works. See, I've got mine, but I don't know where the charger is. I don't know where it would charge. I remember only like the left ear working anymore. Like, right. I thought, oh, okay. But um, oh, here's something interesting about this band. So, you know, Girl Power kind of stuff. The band released a, a single in 96 called Girl Power, which yep. came out one week before the Spice Girls released Wannabe. Oh, right. So everything that they were talking about could have been used as the inspiration in the marketing of what the Spice Girls actually became. I mean, right. the Spice Girls were, were going to become big no matter what. Yeah. But just seeing this, mate, someone in the marketing there could have went, hey, yeah. this band that we love the attitude, but the song isn't going to, the songs aren't going to work it. How about we apply that attitude, put it on these five. Yeah. And then Interesting. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the uh, mud honey of, um, yeah. <laughs> of girl power. <laughs> All right, moving on. Oh, another in our collection of, of reggae pop songs for this compilation. This right. is a band called Red Dragon, but it's only one person. And this is their song, Compliments on Your Kiss. Compliment to all nice and decent girls. Coming from a DJ range again. <laughs> yeah, I'm a number one girl in the world. Just like that. <laughs> Compliments, girl, on your case. You're number one girl on my list. And every time I think of you, I'll It felt like there was like one of those songs every like nine months that yeah. uh, back then that would come out that would uh, have a you know a jaunty little feel to it like that. L- listen to it; it's music for a montage for like one of those nineties, early nineties like family comedies. Yeah, yeah. Like, getting uh, they're, they're trying to pack the car to finally yeah. get away on their holiday. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so. so Red Dragon, real name Leroy May, Jamaican DJ. Uh, this is like, you can slot this right next to your Chuck Ademus and Pliers, your CJ Lewis, your Shaggy, okay? Yeah. Uh, reviews when this came out were pretty fair, actually. Like, I thought, you know, it's it's such a, a kind of a nothing kind of pop song. Mm. Uh, although, 
Music and Media Magazine said this about it. It's as harmless as, as Puff the Magic Dragon, which... How would you feel if you got a review saying this is as harmless as Puff the Magic Dragon? I don't think it'd be a great day in the Hamilton household. <laughs> well, it would depend on my intention. If I was trying to write a song that was as harmless as Puff the Magic Dragon, I'd feel like I really nailed it. But <laughs> but if I was trying to write something that would change the world or at least be a bit edgy, I'd be devastated. Because... <laughs> I see. I once wrote a review in Perth in 2015 that said, "Oh, the asexual Earl." I'm like, "What are you hey, talking about?" What? No, that's so rude. You, you, you drip sex appeal. You know, um, <laughs> so I've got two kids. Obviously, you're not asexual. Yeah, calm down, mate. Hey, you know, uh, so that reminds me of back in the early grotty days of uh, the century with the internet. There was a uh, I forget where it was. There was a site where people were putting up fan fiction about comedians and they were talking about was comedians. Was it Mosh? Uh, no, I don't think it was Mosh. That's so funny. I literally worked with Paul McDermott on Tuesday night for Question Everything and oh, talked for, to him about Mosh. For listeners, Mosh was this – it started off as a, like, gud. Was that the – no, no, no. So uh, after – so there was – for people overseas, there was a, an incredibly – talented, brilliant uh, musical trio called the Doug Anthony All-Stars. And uh, Paul McDermott was one of those, uh, one of the trio. And then when they broke up, he created this multimedia kind of dance uh, troupe uh, comedy show called Mosh. And right. uh, I have to tell you, I saw it in Adelaide. And it, I, to this day, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, it was and, great. And it was, uh, it was cool. It was it was pretty sexy and it was funny, but the thing that killed him and I don't feel bad about talking about this because Paul and I literally talked about this two days ago. The venue was perfect in Adelaide during the Adelaide Fringe. It was a small dungeon. It was it was kind of a little bit ahead of the cabaret burst, you know, yeah. like if it had been. Uh, put in, uh, you know, the Spiegel tent or something like that. It would have been perfect. But in the, it was in the festival club at the '96 Adelaide Fringe, and it was great. And then when they took it to Melbourne, they put it in the town hall, and the space was too big. The acoustics were terrible, and yeah. it it lost part of its, like it lost what made it magic, which was it was concise you know in a in a good space and then it just kind of blanded out and yeah and uh mcdermott said to me um that he got he got a bad review and he was out having a drink and greg fleet walked up to him and said um oh what are you doing at and he's in pools i'm just having a drink he said mate i would not be showing my face after that review oh. which is hilarious when you take into account <laughs> some of the behavior of the person who delivered that line <laughs> So for listen, Mosh was a forum. It was just like a, a comedy forum that people. Oh would- yes, and so yeah, the, the show actually that had lots of fans, and it became one of the first uh, comedy forums. Yeah. After, after inspired by the show, so, but so then, I remember when I first moved to Melbourne, people were like, "Oh, did you read this thing on Mosh?" And I was like, "What's yeah. Mosh? What so the I, fuck?" I would work at the library and occasionally open Mosh and see if go through the message boards if I did a gig. Was anyone there? Was anyone talking about my show? At, yeah, at the yeah the night before. Yeah, well, maybe it was on Mosh, but there, there was definitely this place where they were writing fan fiction of comedians fucking, and uh, there was this one story where um, Paul McDermott was running a, a, a male brothel, 
and uh, they and then Gatesy and I went and visited. And we were hanging out, like we were just hanging out and then the the guys hadn't turned up, like the male prostitutes hadn't turned up and there were all these women there that needed to be serviced. And so then Gatesy and I had to jump into action and Paul was like this animalistic sex machine and Gatesy was this smooth lover and I was in a corner going, I don't know what I'm doing and I was so offended. Like I was the nutty professor. (laughs) (laughs) Too good. All right. Shit. (laughs) I've not thought about that for a long time. That's great. All right, let's move on. Hey, this is a band that because of this show, not Mm. this one we're doing, but this whole podcast I've been doing, Mm. actually I've changed my opinion on them. I actually really like them. This oh, is interesting. The Pet Shop Boys and right. their song, Yesterday When I Was Mad. I don't know that particular song, but uh, I don't mind the Pet Shop Boys. I'm curious to know uh, what's won you over. I just think it's really interesting. I think it's like it's mature sounding pop music. I think mm. this was made in '94, but you could tell me it was made last year, and I go, "Oh yeah, yeah. that's like it's just it's aged really well." Yeah, which is really hard to do, I think, with electronic music because yeah, the technology improves so much. But it's like it's it's I find it. I think this, and we're going to talk about hip hop in a minute. How the hip hop songs that are now pl- playing on these things have aged really well. Obviously, mm. influenced the culture massively. But when I was younger, I just think Pet Shop Boys was go west, and I, it was super cheesy. I didn't, I didn't get it. It was like right, like like I said, it was too, it was too mature for my kind of sensibilities. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's um, it's it's funny. I wonder how much music, you know, or, or any kind of artistry, invariably we don't like because we don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it it took me a long time to um, come around to disco. You know, uh, yeah. I, I find disco music to be quite fascinating now. But you know, as a kid, you probably caught up at the time. Disco, you know, yeah. and then as you get older, you you look at the. Uh, uh, its origins and it, it was the place for the 
the minorities and disaffected to find themselves and it's you know those european beats with you know kind of soul singing alongside it it's fascinating and maybe that's got what's going on there with these guys well i'll also point out a bit of closure on this story. I now like Graham Parsons. So there you go. That's Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, go, you like you know you you know there's there's some bands that like every now and again I listen to Kraftwerk and I yeah. and I don't I don't quite get it. Like oh sorry, I get it but it's not quite for me. Yeah. But then there's some, you know, like you with Graham Parsons go, "Oh, I get it and now I'm into it." Yeah. Uh, so this song is about the stresses of touring, how being away from loved ones can make musicians unwilling to trust others or carry on with their own career. Right. Uh, and so this is actually, uh, Neil Tennant said, one of the many lines of the song is actually what someone actually said to them. And they said, this is what someone said to them. And it was coming up in the next verse, but we just can't play it. They said, it's fabulous you're still around today. You've both made such a little go a very long way. So saying, right. oh, you don't have much talent, but you've made you've work, made it work for you. Someone yeah, said that right. to him thinking, oh, yeah, that'll be a good thing to say to someone. Wow. Like, yeah. Man, people say some shit bizarre things to you. <laughs> the worst. And, 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 then, and then they can be awful. And then when you react in a certain way, they can be so confused because oh. they don't really understand. Well, I think Australians are very bad at giving compliments. Yes. But like, I think. We have the urge to say something at the yeah. end of a show, and quite often, say you're on a lineup show, they'll come up and tell you, "Oh, you, I tell you who I don't like," oh, and then they'll say, yes. "A friend of yours," because they don't yeah. realise the comedy scene's very small. Yeah, yeah. Or they'll think that you want them to say that you're funnier than someone who's more famous than you because that's what you want to feel. But no, no, that's a, that's someone I know I like, and I think they're yeah, really, yeah. It's it's fascinating, you can, listeners. If you feel the urge, just say. Thank you. That's all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That, that was funny. Yeah. Keep it simple. Uh, if, if you know they're not from your town, how are you enjoying the town? Yeah. Like, just something like you talk to anyone yeah. else. Yeah. If, uh, if I'm standing next to comedian A and we've quite clearly been doing a gig together, please don't come up to me and say, you know who I hate? Yeah. Comedian A. It's like, no, like, it's quite clearly my buddy. <laughs> Uh, all right, second last song. Now, it's interesting because the compilers of these CDs, I think, are now giving us a bit more a mature, more serious hip hop. The first years, the compilations were groups like that put on the Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff, right. Criss Cross, yeah, um, Criss Cross, yeah, a, a lot of um, uh, I've just gone blank. To the listener, can I just say, I've also got COVID at the minute. I've got the COVID brain Yes, I know. So, You're doing a uh, great job, by thanks. the way. Thanks. Uh, I don't mean that in a patronising way. Like, uh, it, <laughs> It's hard. You're doing a lot. <laughs> uh, and bands like PM Door, Dawn and Gangstar and Arrested Development was the one I was trying to think yes. of. Yes. So, you know, they're not like hip-hop, but their message is all love and stuff like that, or just party jams in the case of like Criss Cross and DJ uh, Jazzy Jeff. But now we're moving into kind of more, you know, activists and some of that. So this is Public Enemy and their song, Give It Up. Who, who cared, a black man, who, uh, who cared about the community. I'll be better get some of that bass. 
That's all we can play. Yeah, that's great. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really I, good. I never listen to Public Enemy, but every right. time I do, I'm like, these are good. These are really good. Yeah, I went through uh, a little bit of a Public Enemy stage when I was younger, and I think um, I have a feeling they hosted Rage once. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I feel like I I think they did. Yes, and Chuck D was... Um, he was like talking about Janet Jackson. He's like, whoo, she's so fine. I remember him talking <laughs> about that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, hip hop is uh, an art form uh, that, I, once again, I appreciate, but I don't really listen to it that much. Yeah. Uh, but every time I do, it's, um, you know, especially this kind of stuff, I, I really love it. And I always think I, I've got to make more of an effort. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you just have to make more of an effort to go into it because it's so easy to just go to your your favourites or, you know, not step too far out. Yeah. So this, at this stage, the band was Chuck D, Flavor Flav, Terminator X. This was his mm. last album with the band because he was in yep. a car accident, a uh, pretty significant one, and then went and just pretty much retired to live on an ostrich farm. That's what right. Terminator X did. Uh, so this is the first single from their fifth album. The album was called Muse Sick and Our Message. So it was like... Music and our message, but it was spelt muse, sick, and our mess age. Right. So, you know, in lesser hands, you go, oh, that's pretty cheesy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was the highest peaking song on the Billboard 100. We got number 33. Got This song got to 16 in Australia. Which right. surprised me. I didn't, yep. you know. Uh, it's interesting. At this time, Public Enemy were kind of that generation behind and a few people like, nah, they're, they're past their prime. Right. They were saying Chuck D's are lazy in his rhymes. The production values aren't as fresh as what was coming out of LA. So you got yep. Dre and Snoop and all that kind of stuff who were doing quite innovative stuff with yep. the sound as well, not just what they were talking about, but the sound. And then on the East Coast, people were like, oh, we've got to, we've got to catch up. Um, but what it's, the, the band for me is the most interesting is the relationship with Chuck D and Flavor Flav, who on paper look like polar opposites. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But that happens when you work with someone at a very young age, They're like 35 years into their career. Yeah. So Chuck D is very political. Like in like he endorsed Bernie Sanders. He's an yeah. actor, very outspoken against the music industry and he likens the labels and the artist relationship like that of a master and a slave. Like, right, yep. Uh, and Flavor Flav wears clocks and says, yeah, boy. Like, that's... that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, they kind of balanced each other, didn't they? Like, you know, you could you could get the serious political message and then you could just laugh. Yeah, and you can get Flavor Flav saying quotes like this. One thing you can't do with babies, you can't give them steak. Now, right. Hamo, is that a He's... metaphor or is that just literal advice? Well, I... I... You know, I, I think it's both. I think it's uh, you can take it as literal advice. Please do not try to feed your baby steak. And uh, I think it's probably saying you can't feed uh, people who are immature something that they can sink their teeth into. I think the same thing. I think it is deep. I think that he is saying yeah. that's that's the relationship with Chuck D yeah. and Flavor Flav and Public Enemy. Pub- Flavor Flav is chewing the meat for you and making you, yeah. oh, oh, I can get in there. Yeah. Chuck D's giving you these very heavy things and Flavor Flav's kind of making it fun so yeah. you can actually get in there. Yeah. I think, I think the man could be a genius. Yeah, I think he might be too. <laughs> and he dazzled us with that clock. He was uh, hiding in plain sight. It's very clever. Uh, he said he, he got his first clock, uh, a fan, in 87. Yeah. And he has them from all over the world. People give him clocks. Everywhere oh, he, he goes. Clocks and the yeah. Viking helmet. Yeah, that's great. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. Anyway, I think this is a very good song. Yeah. And yeah, give it some time. All right. This is our last song. Last oh, song. Okay. This is a band that the I've said this a few times on the on the pod, but it's true this one that the naughty kids at my school would listen to. Oh. This is Body Count. And from the album Born Dead, this is the song Born Dead. I might play this I'll play it about thirty seconds into the song just because it's a, a bit of a talking intro. In yeah, here we go. Way, way, way. That word justice got me fucked up though. Twenty cops in the street and two go to jail. Thousands of people dying wars overseas and it's justice. You think they give a fuck about us, you're a fool. Born yellow. Born brown. Born red. That's uh, interesting, isn't it? Because, like, um, you, you know, because you, this podcast makes you kind of listen to things slightly differently. Yeah. And it's like, you know, because I remember them being around and and being across them. But you listen to it and you go, oh, that's really fascinating. It sounds more heavy metal. Yeah. You know, uh, the, with those crunching guitars and the that uh, rhythmic drumming. And you can hear this... Um, did you, in lockdown, I don't know if you're a Mike Patton fan, but did you happen to check out the Mr. Bungle show? No, I didn't. See, this is one of those things. Mike Patton, I've said this about uh, him before, that he's one of those because he's got so much stuff out there. Yeah. Because we've talked about Faith No More on the pod. Yeah. How I liked the song Easy. Yeah. But that's not like anything else they've done. No. Um, but it is that thing, like, you get into, like, if you get into Faith No More, there's, 
Mr. Mr. Bungle and there's yeah. what's the Phantomus. other one? Phantomus. yeah, that's the other yeah, one. So and then, there's all this stuff. You go, where do you start? Like, yeah. But no, yeah. to answer your question. Yeah, I I think Mike Patton is a genius. And even even listening to Mr. Bungle, all four albums, <laughs> the sound, you know, the first album is like carnival clown music and then the second album is kind of this weird trip-hop kind of album. The third album sounds like the... the uh, you know, the kind of backrack music that Satan would have in his office playing yeah. while before you went in. And then they then they release they re released their cassette album during lockdown and it was a it was it's a thrash album. Yeah. And uh but you know, you could hear them like you can hear it in this kind of music as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for those uh don't know so Body Count is like they classify themselves as a heavy metal band. Yeah. It is fronted by Ice T though. Yeah. Uh, so he and lead guitarist Ernie C. So they they were both into heavy metal. So they said, "Let's do a band." Ice T apparently got into heavy metal because he was sharing a room as a kid with his cousin Earl, who only listened to rock music. Yeah. And the rock radio stations. And Ice T started to really love bands like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. He's like, "Oh, yeah." So he always had this kind of love of that kind of music, and then went, "Oh, let's let's do that kind of band." Uh, they're most famous or infamous for their debut album, which had the song Cop Killer on it. Yeah. Now, this sparked a massive debate in the US about obscenity and freedom of speech laws. Ice-T did make a good point, though, saying that Talking Heads can do a song called Psycho Killer and mm. no one bats an eyelid. Yeah. Okay? Cause I'm talk- he goes, because I'm talking about something real, people are, like, up in arms about it. Yeah. Uh, President George H.W. Bush denounced any record company that would release such a product and Time Warner shareholders meeting actor Charles Heston, Charlton Heston stood up and read the lyrics from KKK bitch <laughs> to quoting here, an astonished audience and demanded that the company take action and it got to the point where uh, Time Warner executives were getting death threats. And so Ice-T decided to remove Cop Killer from the album and said he didn't want his band to be pigeonholed as that's the only reason that record sold. He's like, no, we've got songs, we've got ideas, we want people to hear it. And so, I mean, he's like, let's move on, let's go back to the real issues, not a record, but the cops that are out there killing people. Right. So, you know, got his, got his statement out there. And, uh, yeah, even in this, it kind of starts off with that as well. And um, so in the liner notes uh, to the album, he says it's dedicated to all people of colour throughout the entire world, Asian, Latino, Native American, Hawaiian, Italian, Indian, Persian, African, Aboriginal, and any other nationality that white supremacists would love to see born dead. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's so crazy to think that Charlton Heston was reading those lyrics. Like, I don't know. I just... It, one of the things that I've enjoyed about getting older is that my inability to still lose... Uh, like I haven't gone over to that side. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm still at this age, going, "What the fuck? Yeah. Why, why, who gives a shit? Like they're they're exp- they're talking about something that's a real problem. Worry about the problem. Don't worry about the goddamn song. It really is. I don't know. I think it's a real uh, joy that we have in us, Hamo, that we are of who gives a shit people. It's like yeah, that's who gives a shit. Doesn't affect yeah. your life at all. Yeah, who give, like. Have some more respect for the audience to go, oh, yeah, they're not actually telling us to go out and kill cops. We understand. It's art. Yeah. But let's and try it. Yeah. You know, it was, um, you know, the, the, the like, 
a lot of the people that go and do bad things are often, you know, not black kids with guns, you know, picking people off. Do you know what I mean? It's like, anyway, it's, it, and then that song still feels fucking relevant, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, so, I, Ice-T has then played a cop on TV for many, many years. So, you know, right. the, the irony there is not lost. Like, it's it's part of what I was kind of talking about. Like, you know, I remember the, uh, you know, I was around when the band was out, of course, and their music. But over time, because he's played a cop and that, uh, like, listening to it was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not rap. It's not hip hop. Yeah. You know, and so it was well, quite weird and jarring to hear that again. It is really interesting because they played on the 91 Lollapalooza tour. Right. And in Ice-T set, he would do half the set hip hop songs and half the set body count songs. Yeah. And people say it was, I mean, they weren't the first to mix hip hop and, and rock. Yeah. But for a lot of those kids, they were like, oh, we can like both these things. Yeah. And then you have like seven years later, six years later, all these new metal bands coming out. Oh, yeah. Right. And you see, you see the evolution or yeah. devolution if you're, you want to talk about that way. But you can see, okay, this is what they were listening to in their yeah. formative years. So this is the stuff they're now making. Yeah. So uh, Ice-T is to blame for... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... You, can't uh, you can influence, but you can't control where the influence goes. So we can blame Run DMC and Aerosmith and Ice-T. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, guys. Uh, that was a good song, though. I was enjoying that. Uh, it makes me uh, want to, you know, especially when you go for a run or something, I could, uh, that yeah. could get the legs pounding. All right, that is it, Hamo. So what we do at the end of every single episode, we go, they say it's 100% hits, but let's go through how many hits you actually think there was. So let's go through the songs oh. again. So we start with Tin Man, 18 Strings. Hamo, was that a hit? Uh, so hang on, what, what what do we class as a hit? Is that one, number one? Do you think it's a hit? That's all. Do you think it's, uh, that's a hit or not? Uh, no, no, not a hit. Uh, no. Nothing but you by Cold Chisel. Ah, uh, no. Fly Girl by Culture. Look, <laughs> there's a part of me that wants to say yes to be contrary, but no. Dreams by the Cranberries. Yeah, I'll, yeah, that's a hit. All right. Uh, Trouble by Shampoo. <laughs> yeah, that's a hit. <laughs> Compliments on your kiss by uh, by Red Dragon. Uh, no. Yesterday when I was mad by the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, yeah, that's a hit. <clears throat> Give it up by Public Enemy. Yes. And Born Dead by Body Count. Yeah, you know what? Like it's uh, it's pretty tasty. Yeah. We did all right there. That's five. I didn't think we'd get to five, Hamo. I actually looked really? at this and went, "Oh, I think I think in the words of Shampoo, we're in trouble." But right. <laughs> No, no, I was, I was having a pretty good time. And, you know, even a couple of the ones that didn't quite get to hit, I wouldn't be furious if they turned up in the mix. Hey, thank you so much for doing this, Hamo. Now, you have a show in Melbourne uh, this week as to uh, when this is yeah. out. So uh, yeah. tell the people where they can see you. Man, it's uh, I'm pretty excited. It's uh, my first show in Melbourne in years, like three years. And uh, I'm coming down to uh, Comedy Republic on the 26th of November, 7 o'clock show. And uh, it's a brand new stand-up show. It's my first stand-up show in a number of years. And I'm really excited, A, because, you know, I love Melbourne. I lived in Melbourne for a long time. I haven't been down there for ages. But also um, the lads who were creating uh, Comedy Republic, 
they were living in Sydney talking to me about what they were going to do. And I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds great. I can't wait to see what it turns into. And then it's turned into this brilliant venue that everyone tells me about and I'm finally going to get to see it. So uh, if people would like to come along, I would be wrapped to see you there especially you know if i can sell it out then maybe my management will uh, go you know what maybe we should bring him down some more and i'd like <laughs> to spend more time in melbourne listeners why don't you make a night of it go to a show at comedy public you know go to the show beforehand which is mike goldson and friends maybe a certain host of a podcast is on that show oh great or maybe go to the show after the hammer show um the main event i think they call it and uh oh no main stage where a certain host is hosting that show. So oh, either, right. either way, I'm, I'm sandwiching you there, Hamo. Yeah, right. It's, it's a Josh Earl sandwich yeah. with a little Hamo feeling, uh, filling. Also, you've got the Big Squid podcast. Yes, yes, the Big Squid podcast where, uh, you know, my guests and I, we talk about uh, pop culture. We always try to come at it from a positive place. Doesn't mean we can't be critical, uh, but, uh, you know, we have different segments. We have Pass the Amel where we go through osploitation movies and genre. We have Space Podacy where Ben Elwood and I go through sci-fi movies. On Mondays, we have Chitter Chatter where Brighton Coverdale from The Chase and Adam Richard, they swap roles and we do a little mini podcast with a little mini fact to start your week and we just uh, covered uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever which uh, I have to say I thought was really good yeah good good taking the kids to it this weekend yeah awesome all right thank you everyone uh, oh thanks to everyone who's, who came to the show in Sydney on Sunday that was great at the Vanguard great hasn't happened yet listeners but that's all right this is the magic of podcasting what? also <laughs> come along to the Melbourne uh, live show of 100% Hits Volume Pod. It's We're looking at Volume 17, Side A. We've got musical performances by the likes of Oliver Clark, Geraldine Quinn, Jordan Barr. We have a performance by Hot Department. And then there's going to be me and guests talking about the songs. They're very, very good songs. Great. Seal, Kiss by a Rose, Radiohead, High and Dry, Pulp, Common People. It's a very, very good one. Wow. It's on December 18, 3 o'clock at the European Beer Cafe. All proceeds go to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. Uh, so come along, have a drink, help out some kids at Christmas, and it'll be great. Anyway, tickets at joshua.com.au. Thanks, Hamo. I'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.